0: Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When you look at this picture, what do you see? No, this isn't a trick question. You see a house, right? Maybe you see the mountains that are in the background. And you go, well, Pastor, this is just a house. And yet for me, that's not just a house. This was my house. This was our family's house. For Aldebaran and I, this was the very first house that we ever owned. When you look at that picture, all you see is a house. When I look at that picture, I see a home. I see a house that we pretty much gutted and started over with and recreated into what it is now. I see a house where many hands went together to make it what it was and I picture the people who are a part of that. I see those plants out front, and I remember planting those with my own bare hands as we dug into the rocky soil. I think of the many memories that we made as a family in that house. I picture the friends that walked through that front door, the meals that we shared, the laughs that we had, and all the memories that were made. And so when you look at that house, You go, it's just a house! And I look at it and go, no, that's my house. That's my memories. That's a place that was a huge part of my life. For it's a house and so much more when it goes from being a house to my house. But what about this? What is this? It's a ring, right? Some of you go, Well, Pastor, that's just a piece of jewelry. Some of you are going, Oh, no, that's a wedding ring. And when you see it, you go, Well, that ring reminds us of the promise of the marriage covenant. It reminds us of that moment when a man stands before God, his family, his friends, and yes, I'm not forgetting the bride. It makes a promise to have and to hold, to be there with her in sickness and in health, in good times and in bad. To love, honor, and cherish her until death do us part. That's all true. And yet, once again, for me, this isn't just any ring. This is my wedding ring. And for me, it's not a reminder of just a generic promise, but it's a promise that I made on July 19, 2003, at a little church in Massachusetts. And when I look at this ring, I see my wife, Aldebaran. And I'm reminded of this beautiful gift that God has given to me and her. And I'm reminded of the 17 years that we've been able to do life together, the adventures we've been on together, and all of the joy that she's brought to my life. And I'm reminded as I look at that of her love, of her grace, of her forgiveness. I'm reminded of the promise that I made to her that I seek to live out and fulfill every day of my life. And I'm reminded of the joy that every morning until death parts us, I get to wake up and she's going to be by my side. And that for every adventure I go on, she's going to be right there beside me. And so you can look at this and go, well, that's just a ring. That's just a wedding ring. But it's not just a ring. It's my way, reminding me of my wife and my vows and my promise. And it's telling the world he's taken. Or how about this? And no, this isn't my rock, but it's a rock. And what we're going to see in in 2 Samuel chapter 22 today, as we launch into these words of David. For David, this isn't just any rock, but it reminds him of God. So I invite you, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 2 Samuel. And we're going to launch in, in 2 Samuel chapter 22, verses, and take a look today at verses 1 through 4. For here's what's happening. We're coming to the end of this David story and Samuel, the author of First and 2 Samuel, who's been telling us this whole David story, is coming to the end of David's life, and he's going, I don't want to just sit here and give you a summary, but I want to invite you into the head, into the heart, into the faith of David. And he spends about a chapter and a half, 2 Samuel 22, and then the first part of 2 Samuel 23, which we're going to look at over the coming weeks. And he says, this is David." As he's reflecting upon his life of faith, his life journey, as he's reflecting on who God is, what he believes about God, and what God has done in his life. And so here's how that time of reflection begins. Check it out. 2 Samuel 22, beginning with verse 1. And David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. It says that David spoke these words when he had been delivered from his enemies. And if you think about it, friends, that's David's entire life. God has been delivering David from his enemies ever since he was a boy keeping watch over his daddy's flock. When God delivered him out of the hands of lions and tigers and bears, oh my! God delivered the punk kid David from the mighty Goliath. As he grew up a little bit and he was a young man, God delivered him from the hand of Saul and everything that lurked in the wilderness. As he got older, we see God delivering the older man, David, from his enemies. And even his own kids like Amnon and Absalom at times. Absalom at times. And as we saw over the last two weeks, we even see God delivering David from the evil, the enemy that lurks. Within him. If you think about it, David's entire story is the story of someone saved and delivered by God over and over and over again. Every step of David's life was living in the salvation of God. Think about that! Every step of David's life, and this is what Samuel's trying to paint for us as he opens this up and as he begins to help us reflect upon the entire life of David and he brings us into David's view of God, he goes, every step of David's life was living in the salvation and the deliverance of God. For without God's deliverance, without God's salvation, David wouldn't be there. And that shaped the very way that David thinks and process this about God. And so here's how David pours out, and this isn't something spoken to everybody, but this is something that David is speaking to God. And here's what he says. The Lord is my rock, and my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior, you save me from violence. As I read those words, I don't know about you, but there's two words that jump off the page there. The first one is two letters long and happens ten times in two verses. What is it? My, what he's talking about here is something that's intensely Personal. It's not something that someone else told him. It's not a truth that's out there. It's not this generic idea. It's not a piece of history. But what he's talking about is something that's personal. It's not something that someone else told him, but it's something that he's experienced in his life when he says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior, you save me from violence. David is saying, this is my personal truth. This is what I've learned about God. And the other word that jumps out to me as I read those words, rock. David says, the Lord is my rock, my God, my rock. Now, David isn't saying he, he goes around worshiping rocks. Don't worry, he hasn't lost it. He hasn't gone crazy in his older days. He's also saying that this rock isn't God. But what David is saying, and yes, David is using metaphor here, is He's saying whenever he sees a rock, he's reminded of God. For some of the characteristics of rock remind him of God and who he is and all that God has done. And so think about this idea of God being his rock. The first idea he comes out here is the idea of God is my rock, he is my fortress, He's my shelter. And if you hear this, I want you to think back a couple weeks ago when it was 110 degrees here in Livermore. It was absolutely miserable. And if you were outside in the sun, as the beating sun is beating down on you, and it's 110 degrees. You were sweating profusely, and what were you looking for? You were looking for any bit of shade that you could find. Because when you went into the shade, you had a respite from the heat. You got to cool down. You got to get your strength back. You got to be re-energized. And for David, a guy who spent so much of his life on the run in the middle of the wilderness, God was his rock. He was the one under whom he could find shelter. He could find rest. He could be recharged and renewed from the craziness of everything that was going on around him. But David continues on. He goes, My God, my rock in whom I take Refuge For David, God was his source of protection. When everyone was trying to kill him, it was in the rocks that David hid. It was in the cave that David hid out from Saul. And as he talks about it, as Samuel was telling the story, you can go back and read the story, how many times did David run to the rocks so that God might protect him from the very people who were trying to kill him? And so he looks at God and he says, God, you're my rock, you're my protection, you're my refuge from those who are trying to kill me. For David recognized at this moment that without God, without his rock, without God's protection, he was going to be dead a long time ago. For God was his rock and his shield. In Psalm 40, verse 2, we hear another idea of this idea of God being his rock. Here's what David writes in Psalm 40, verse 2. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. So God wasn't just this place of respite, this shade. He wasn't just protection. But he was the very foundation of every Going on in his life. For rest assured, David's life had its ups and downs, it has its twists and turns, it had its joys and struggles, it has its dangers and threats. But in the midst of all that, his unchanging, unshakable, unmoving foundation was God. For in, in the best of times, God's mercy, God's love, God's grace, God's protection, God's presence was with him. But in the worst of times, God's mercy, God's love, God's grace, God's presence, God's protection was with him. For God, his rock, was his unmoving, unchanging, unshakable foundation. For how he saw the world, for how he lived life, for every step that he took. And for David, as he's speaking these words, it's all pointing to, and it's all coming to this conclusion, that God is his rock, which tells him that he is his savior. That God is who is his fortress, his shelter, his refuge, his protection, his foundation, is also his Savior. For the very foundation of his life, God is the very source of his life and his salvation. And so friends, I ask you, what is it that comes to mind when you think about God? For David, it was a rock. Impenetrable, unmoving, unchanging. unmoved. Immovable. For me, as I think about God, the image I think about is this piece of wood. Some would look at it and go, well, that's just a piece of wood. And yeah, it came from a tree, and I could even tell you the story about which tree it came from. But for me, it's not just a tree. It's not just a piece of wood. It's a cross. For when I think about God, I think about this cross. For on that cross we see that God is for us, not against us. For on this cross we see the depth of God's love for us. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That God loves us and the way God looks at us, he looks at us as someone worth dying for. On this cross I see that God fulfills his promises. That God does what he says he's going to do. When I see this cross, I'm reminded that God is faithful even when I'm faithless. When I see this cross, I'm reminded that God is worthy of my trust. And that God is able. When I see this cross, I'm reminded of how Jesus came down from heaven to take my place upon a tree, upon a cross. So that my sins could be paid for. So that the price could be paid. So that when I look at this piece of wood, I say, Yes, a piece of wood. But I see a cross. I see Jesus' cross. I see a life giving tree that gives life and hope and salvation and forgiveness and belonging in the future. For when I think about God, this is what I see. What do you see? What do you see when you see the cross? I invite you to think about that as we hear then how David responds. The cross brings us back to our very salvation. Just like David's life was lived with every step coming out of the salvation of God. Every step living in the salvation of God. We who have the cross are invited to live every step of our lives coming out of the salvation of our God. And what does that look like? Check out verse 4 as he tells us. As he's reflecting upon who God is and what God's done, here's what he does. Verse 4. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. How do we respond when we think about who God is and we come to grips with who God is and that he is the foundation of our life and that He's our salvation? We call upon him. We call upon him in the good times and the bad times. When life is going well, when life is within our grasp, when we feel like everything's in control and everything is as it should be, we call upon God. When life is spinning out of control, when it's painful and it hurts, we call upon God. For we have a God who wants to be with us, a God who wants to hear us, a God the scripture says is more ready to hear than we are even to speak. A God who doesn't just give us three wishes, But a God who wants a relationship with us. And every day wants us to call upon Him. And as we call upon Him, as we pray to Him, we're called to praise Him. To praise Him for who He is, to praise Him for all He's done. I'm reminded of that great scene from Revelation 5 that we read earlier. Is God's up in heaven and Jesus is there? And what happens? How did the people respond when they see that they're in the presence of Jesus? We hear these words as they sing with a loud voice. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven on earth and under the earth and in the sea. And all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said Amen and the elders fell down and worshipped. When we come to grips with who God is, that God is our rock. That God is our salvation. That he's our cross. May we be led into the very presence of God. That we might pray, that we might give our thoughts and our praise to him. And so the question that I want to ask you to ponder today is who is God? What do you believe about him? Not what's their truth, but what's your truth. What do you believe about God? What's the image that you have? Is it a rock? Is it a piece of wood, a piece of cross? And then how do you respond when you come to grips with the reality of who God is and who He is and what He's done for you? How are you going to respond? And may you be led to call upon Him and praise Him. What do you want to praise God for today? As we gather for worship in this moment, what do you want to praise God for? I don't want to go directly into the prayer today, but I want to take a moment to stop and ponder that. So I'm going to play a song. It's a song you've heard before. It's called The Doxology. I want to just invite you to sit back and listen to it. And as you listen to those words, praise God from whom all blessings flow. I want you to ponder and ask the question. And if you're with someone else, share it with them. What do you want to praise God for today? Let's listen again.